0: And katakatad denenak katakatad denenak Welcome to another episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hello. Technical issues here at La Casa Barracuda.
1: Technical issues as resolved by the one and only Jojo B.
0: Yeah, but you spent... Tech genius, you spent. You spent so long doing it It's the kind of thing You know what Asian workers do Where they get the job And they're paid by an hourly rate And then you wait till like The 59th minute Before like Yeah I need to do some more stuff on this And then you just charge them an invoice That's like six hours long For a half an hour job Listen
1: yeah I am the type of person That will problem solve So you have to kind of go through it Logically Step by step I should have been An IT geek But Mm. I wasn't
0: You're just a geek (laughs) maybe I can't even debate it maybe no i do what, i don't
1: care i don't care about
0: labels <laughs> oh, diplomatic answer jojo b but we are back up and running so uh, up, up until about half an hour ago we weren't going to record a show and he it was like,
1: a- fuck it i don't want to do this anymore i'm done Because it's just, late, let's, just, fam. let's just leave it let's just go to bed
0: yeah because it's late in it this is the only time we get a chance to record these shows now
1: We've been up since 5am. Yeah, fuck's
0: sake. It's been like <laughs> a week of disaster in terms of looking after our baby because he's not feeling very well. So he wakes up through the night and then...
1: Actually, like that happened the first few days. And then after that, he was so tired and exhausted that he just slept all night long. And we actually managed to get a few days of sleep, yeah. which is quite nice. Not that we wish anything bad on our baby, but it was nice to have the sleep.
0: It was nice. But you know what I'm really pissed off about today? What? So I was at the doctor's surgery earlier on today and uh, I was like, you know, patiently waiting for my turn to be called up to go in, to get checked. Mm. And like, there was a, there was an Asian dude that was sitting uh, on a seat that was kind of opposite me kind of towards that, towards the right hand side. It was a silent surgery and everyone's just like minding their business as they normally do. My man, is on his phone listening to tunes like out loud on Oh, like on his a teenager?
1: Phone. Yeah. Like a 13-year-old on the tube?
0: Yes. I was, and everyone just kept looking at him like, like, bruv, what the fuck? And, but he just carried on. Are you like, trying to cheer
1: up? Cheer up the doctor's surgery?
0: No. It's a place of like, you know, to keep quiet. What if there was like babies that might got pissed off and, you know, and started screaming and going loud? And he was, he was listening to like a bit of Bollywood Mm-hmm. And then a bit of like, like it must have been some South Indian Tamil soundtracks.
1: Welcome to Southall.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yes, it was in Southall. the a look point I'm you just Yeah, because she's just such a like a uh, like she just pre- this pre- like, weird kind of prejudice against the whole of West London, even though she lives in West London and earns a keep in West London, um, and hates Asians. And that's I don't the, hate Asians, and this is the point I'm making. And I don't making. hate
1: West London. I just hate the disregard that a lot of people have within. West London for anyone else
0: other than themselves. Well, I think this is the kind of point I was making here: is that you know when people say like about voting for Brexit and the reasons, reasoning for voting for Brexit and shit, little shit things like that that accumulate. Yeah, and, and it puts a it puts a really bad reflection on our people. I hate being generalized, but us as a people, continuously generalized by the public, but little things like that we don't help ourselves either it's the disregard and the
1: disrespect for other people so like that or like the, the fireworks thing that we were talking about and just letting our fireworks all t- all hours of the night yeah. and not really kind of having any regard of where you live who you live amongst you know and all that kind of stuff like i grew up in a in a kind of house where i was like no fireworks because the white neighbors will mind mm. and they don't like it so we don't, won't do it that's the kind of mentality I was brought up in because I was brought up in a different community. But what I find in segregated communities, when I come into one, <laughs> I'm like, "You are one." No, no, because I didn't come from a segregated You're community. I came anymore. from. I came, no, you but come here now I live in one, but I still have the the kind of ethos and the mentality that I was brought up with. So I'm like, I quite, I'm quite considerate, I think. Whereas other people, they just don't give a fuck, and it's like, well. You know, there's loads of us here, so we can do what the fuck we want. And that I really don't like. That's why I hate the idea of segregated communities. I Mm. think that you shouldn't stick to your own. End of rant.
0: Yeah, no, at an extent, I kind of agree with what you're saying. It's just that I hate what's happening right now in society. Um, I hate the the terms that people are labelling us as a community um, since the referendum vote. And a lot of the time, I'm standing up for things that I, can, that I see wrong and prejudices against our people. But it's that kind of like blatant disregard that really rubbed me the wrong way. I wasn't so much even pissed off at the fact that he was listening to music in the surgery, which was like disrespectful anyway. It was more how people see us as this. They see us as this nuisance
1: but that's that media thing isn't it that we have to represent our communities at whatever cost right so like one person will always have to represent our com- their community mm. whereas with like kind of the white population they're individuals and they get to be individuals if they do something wrong that's mm. an individual doing something wrong whereas if one of us does something wrong it's kind of seen as a group of us doing something yeah. wrong like we can't. one person counts for like you know what fifty people? Yeah, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like true. that's that's what we equate to. Whereas, you know, if you're lucky enough to kind of be seen as the individual, <laughs> you can get away with a lot more.
0: Yeah, yeah. You
1: know, because it's like, well, that person did it, not me. So don't don't tar me with that brush. Well, we're we will always be tarred with that
0: brush. That's that's the unfortunate reflection of of society today in the fact that we are completely, you know, branched under the same umbrella. But for me, because I I don't differentiate. Asian is Asian to me. This guy was clearly someone from India. I'm no different to him, you know, even though I'm born here and I'm raised here. You know, we're we're a pe- we're a collective community. Yeah. And so when you see things within our own community that is wrong, you know, you, you know, you you say something, you know, you say that's wrong. That's did not you, right.
1: Did you say anything to him? I
0: didn't, which is completely wrong of me. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Shut the fuck so, up. That's so what so maybe, I would have said. So maybe I'm actually the anger is probably more at myself for not saying anything to him in the surgery i just didn't want to i did the whole british thing this is the this is the british side of me not wanting to have any conflict yeah not wanting to incur a confrontation but it's not even about surgery. being
1: confrontational you could just like for me like, i mean my excuse pretty much these days would be bubs so i would just be like i'm sorry you're disturbing but like my baby with your music do you mind just putting your headphones in or turning the volume down a bit slightly mm. um i'd really appreciate it thank you very much thank you thank you thank you thank you yeah. thank you
0: i hate being in surgeries anyway you know seriously it's all the disease and so it was a case of just like getting in there and getting the fuck out um and then
1: they always make you say in, like especially in london they always make you sit there for ages yeah just you know absorb with all the more germs and then when you get even more ill then they'll be like no we still can't see you for another two weeks so die in a corner
0: so what do they do up north then do they do have like separate get, cubicles up, for you to no, sit in. you ring
1: up, you get an appointment the same day, you go in for the time that you're supposed to be seen, and within, I would say, a window of about 15 minutes of that time that you were given, you'll be seen. But generally, you'll just be seen bang on time. Bang on time? Generally. But you know what that is? It's because there's less of a population. <laughs> mm,
0: true, true.
1: And so you don't have as many people waiting around in horrible, crumbling, diseased-filled waiting rooms hmm. where you have to cover your mouth and not make any eye contact with it a bit like the tube really yeah true <laughs> true like, try not to breathe in too fact, much you probably
0: you probably get less germs from sitting in the surgery than you do by just yes. standing next to joe blogs on the tube
1: yes, i was on the tube today daytime tube around joe, joe, where we live
0: back in the tube yeah
1: daytime tube uh full of old people and for some <laughs> reason just no but i'm just like generally old people lovely but for some reason, the people that were around me today on the tube, all coughing without covering their mouth. If you follow me on Twitter, you will know that that is my pet peeve in the winter. It's people just coughing, coughing and not covering their mouth. And I'm sure that generation are from the coughs and sneezes spread diseases yeah. in generation, right? And they still disregard that kind of advice and just cough openly into the air. Yeah. Just cough into the air. Cough hmm. into the air. Why? Why? I don't want your gems. I don't want you to spit on me, even if it's not got any germs. Mm-hmm. but I do not want your germs.
0: Well, tell them how you feel, judge me?:
1: Cover your fucking mouths and cover your fucking noses <laughs> when you cough or sneeze. Mm-hmm. And then, don't touch me with that hand. Sanitize. <laughs> or just don't touch anything around you and don't touch me.
0: Literally, just put yourself in a bubble or a <laughs> please, cocoon. Please. Please. Quarantine yourself before you step inside a tube if Jojo B's there. It'd just be like a Take whole... your
1: vitamins and you won't get ill. I need to take my own advice. On yeah, that one. I'm about to say,
0: <laughs> bruv, pot kettle black, innit? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Having any vitamins, and I keep, you know, insisting on you, like, have you done this? You know, stuff from your pregnancy and the birth. Have you done this? Nope. I haven't had a chance to do it. Have you taken this? Nope. I haven't really done that. And now you're out there like trying to be all fucking Mrs. Advice.
1: Yeah, I know. But Aren't... still, just, oh, I just hate it. I hate the germs in the winter. <sighs>
0: hate it. Anyway, something else that I hate while we're still on rants. So recently I was on the BBC Asia Network. Okay. On Moby and Azza's show, so I mentioned this. You don't previously. hate him, do you? No, he's a very, very lovely, lovely man. I was going to say, great guy. He's lovely, um, and he's, we've seen some brilliant documentaries by him on BBC. And he's in a the great, last great presenter. Six, seven months, great presenter. Honestly, all round top, top guy. Yeah. Uh, I was there on the views on the news section where we discuss uh, various different stories over the course of that week. Uh So there was uh, the story about Ti and uh, his conversation (laughs) in the podcast that went very controversial. There was Emma Watson talking about being self-partnered and people's thoughts on it. Uh, There was James Dean and and the fact that they're releasing a CGI um, version of him in a film. Some of the actors, yeah, it's all kinds of fucking crazy shit. I'm a big Um, fan
1: of James Dean. I was pretty obsessed with him when I was younger.
0: Okay, so you'll see a whole film with him CGI. I don't want to see it. Okay. Um, But what angered me Mm. is the fact that I was there with two other panellists. Huh. Now, both of them were offered taxis on the way home. Oh, dear. And I wasn't. Oh, no. They are not on my Christmas card list this year.
1: No, no Christmas cards for you. And next time we are going to get a taxi paid by you and I'm going to go all around London as well.
0: Yeah. And it has to be, you know, one of those kind of um, really cheesy disco hummers, like hummers with like the little like disco ball and all kinds of like lights and shit and our own rider.
1: Do you know, have I ever told you the story of my lovely taxi when I went out on a night out with my girls many, many years ago with a shag carpet? What? Yeah, it had like a shag pile carpet like brat it was so comfortable honestly and it was like one of those
0: shag pile
1: shag pile carpet you know like a really thick carpet
0: a pile of shag
1: no oh my god you people it's like really thick soft carpet that's called a shag pile carpet right it's really How thick i've never heard of this I, 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 I have like other people have i don't, <laughs> How, don't, I, I don't I know why you wouldn't have um, i don't know I miss my, our our a but um, have you
0: heard of a shag pile carpet
1: Anyway, so it had like a really thick, soft carpet, and it was one of those VW like camper vans, and it was um,
0: a pile of shag.
1: It was just it was the most comfortable taxi I've ever been in in my life, <laughs> and it was the best. And I I think it had disco lights, but maybe I'm just I'm adding that from
0: disco lights and a pile <laughs> of shag. The, but, but, mate. that sounds like a party to me to be fair do you know what I mean yeah, I'm all honestly about that the life
1: best. it was the best wow. it was so good that we made him come back to pick us up at the end of the night because. he's like I'm gonna go home I was like no you have to come pick us up
0: so he did um, lovely man
1: yes he was anyway
0: but yeah who are not so lovely Asian Network bruv. come on next time you want me to come on to one of your debates at night man's gonna have a full rider
1: yes and we want a gluten-free pizza Mm. and um what else do we want we want some blue m&ms yes and we want some
0: dandelion and burdock i
1: love dandelion and burdock Mm. oh my god there might be like whole like a whole load of people younger generation if we get any young people listening to us um who won't know what dandelion and burdock
0: is they won't even know what fucking Shagpile carpet is either so we're literally you're old and you don't so yeah that's this is i mean i'm like i'm not about that life i just want normal (laughs) carpet
1: i had a i had a flat many years ago in finchley where when you sat on in the, the days of
0: yore <laughs>
1: it was, i mean by the end of it it was amazing but when we first moved in it was a bit of a dump um but it it was like split level a spiral staircase it was awesome but when you sat on the floor if you ever sat on the floor on the carpet
0: did you which did you use a penny farthing to get to and fro
1: <laughs> no but if you sat on the carpet like we we would get rashes on our legs, even if we were wearing like. I, and honestly, it happened when I was wearing jeans one day, but I still oh, had a rash dear. on my legs. Um, but then that same carpet, so like it went up the kind of spiral, styro- the spiral, styro- the spiral staircase, and then when you went into the bathroom, it went up the side of the bath.
0: What? So so the the wool paper was carpet?
1: No. So you know the side of the bath where you normally would have tiles or like yeah, a bath yeah. panel. We had carpet up the side. Of the Oh. And then we had. It was really weird because it was like the toilet was like a throne. So you kind of walked up to so the bath was there, and then you would walk in and there would be like a couple of steps, and you would get to the toilet, and the steps were covered in the carpet, and then the toilet seat, like you know, the, like the the kind of cover, the the lid right. the toilet, the, that that had carpet. On it.
0: <laughs> it feels like this carpet was like you know, like a <laughs> like a parasite that was ever growing. So it's just like it, it starts to engulf, like, you know, the way Stranger Things does, like where the whole thing just covers everything. Honestly, we that's lived like this, that for months. That's month. what this carpet was. Well, obviously, you're going to catch shit on there with like all piles of people shagging and shit. And the germs um, that you get from that, you're always going to catch something.
1: We had a really angry red wall as well. It was just like, <laughs> it was just not nice. But then we found some problems with the flat and then the landlord just decorated the whole thing for us. But it was just this one Polish man for in our flat for about four or five months. Just by single handedly decorating everything and fixing everything that was wrong. Wow. So yeah.
0: Shout to shout to Polish man
1: Yeah, he was lovely. I can't remember his name. It was a long time ago. But uh yes. Good times. <sighs>
0: carpet
1: yes. Carpet on the bath.
0: Carpet on the bath. This
1: is this is the this is what London renters go through. I mean, now, if you live in London, like that was like a hu- it was huge flat. Mm. It was a huge flat. Um uh but now you you spend the same money trying to rent like you know half a car park space.
0: Yeah, true, true. You've to What's live in a tent. On
1: there. <laughs> it's like that's what renting in London is now.
0: You know what I, I I don't know if I've ever told this story. There was once an article I saw on the metro about affordable housing in London. Mm. And uh and it said house uh, housing for 150 grand in central London to buy. Yeah, right? I was like, fuck, wow, oh my God, 150K. Even I can afford that with yeah. my measly salary. I went onto the page and they were advertising boats.
1: Yeah, because uh, people used to live in those, in those like canal boats.
0: So you've this article, Well, wow.
1: No, but a lot of people started doing it to avoid paying council tax. But then now I think they have to pay council tax. So those people
0: are screwed. Okay, let's, you don't feel in any way that was a slightly misleading article.
1: Well, obviously, but th- th- it became a thing for a little while when I first moved. So, in the early two thousands, it was a thing to then just get a riverboat or a canal boat or whatever it's called, and and live on it.
0: I can't imagine it ever being a thing unless you. If you like... walk
1: down the canalways, I don't know if you've ever walked down any canal paths, but when you do,
0: <laughs> I, try, I try not to. Some people live those in them, ends. and
1: honestly, some of them have the most amazing, like, kind of boat gardens. So they like grow loads of lovely flowers and vegetables and things, imagine that's like, what i did imagine pots. imagine
0: I said like I'm looking to sell up a property so we can like all live in a boat
1: I mean you're saying this to me like it's a ridiculous notion, but people have done it because that's what London is now, or was then, and now it's not even a, now even the boats are not affordable. Oh, God, <laughs> and imagine paying a hundred and fifty fucking thousand pounds for a fucking canal boat in London. You could buy a yacht. You could buy a yacht and just sail around the world.
0: <laughs> true. Very, very true.
1: Or you could buy a house in Newcastle. A really nice one. Oh,
0: fuck. What have I turned this into? Um, by the sea. You know what? Like, uh, Okay, completely off topic. Uh, our bubs, I feel that is slightly morphing into my dad. What? Yeah. They both have literally exactly the same character traits. They both sleep through the day. They both have very questionable eating habits. They uh, they complain throughout the whole day, like he whinges as much as my dad does about does. like about just like completely menial things. They both only have four teeth. They both only have four teeth <laughs> between them, <laughs> and they you know they get tired very very quickly. I feel like he's he's slowly turning into my dad. He's got more hair than your dad. Yeah, give it give it a while. He's like like the rest of the people in his family. He'll have peaked early in life with his hair.
1: So Bob's is starting nursery, and we get this like daily diary update thing about how he's doing. So he's only just started, so like it's like settling in, and they're just kind of reassuring us how things about how things are going. And today it said he's um, he has, shows a great interest in books, which is lovely to see. And I was like, it is lovely to see because he gets that interest from me, because you don't know how to read.
0: Wow. And you so tap into man's like inabilities like that.
1: Wow. No, I'm not judging anyone who can't read, but I'm just wow. saying that like, you choose not to. And I wow. do love reading. So he's got that from me. And I was like, yay. It's so nice to see like traits that have come from you.
0: Oh, completely. Like, like the fact that he whinges, moans, complains,
1: just, just like starts <laughs> throwing
0: a strop all the time. That's very, very much a jojobism So I you said he was a, like your dad. Yeah, just the just the sleeping a lot and eating really terribly. Uh, those those habits. You
1: know what? I don't care if he's moody like me, because mm. he's my baby. Oh, that's, right.
0: <laughs> that's enough from this half of the show. When we come back on the other side, we're going to be discussing a very very important subject within our community, and that is therapy. <laughs> <people>. Welcome back to the second half of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. Firstly, thank you to everyone that listened to our last show on alcohol abuse in the British Asian community. We had a great message uh, from uh, someone who wishes to remain anonymous, uh, and that's because he is a recovering alcoholic, five years clean now.
1: Oh Wow, well done.
0: And um, he listened to our show purely because he's also Asian. And again, it's a subject that not enough people within our community talk about. Mm. And so, you know, he wanted to have a listen, see what we had to speak about. And yeah, really enjoyed the show, really loved the show. He's, um, He said to me that it's his family a little bit more comfortable, you know, discussing it and talking about it with him. Uh, and mm-hmm. he felt that he m- needed to make that change because he's got younger nieces and nephews and they saw the the downward spiral that alcohol abuse was doing to him yeah and he also drug abuse as well in okay. his life a long time and yeah it's you know just making that change and taking that next step it was a hard one but now five years on it's really he's really reaping the rewards of making that change and there's a couple of articles that he's put out in some uh, news publications about his story and trying to raise awareness within our community and how prevalent it is. Mm. And um, yeah, he's he's just saying how sad it is that not enough people talk about it because it is such a huge problem, but it's still such a massive taboo. And one of the sad things he said to me was that... Um, a few of his friends from AA actually killed themselves and overdosed and things like that, you know. So he actually came out of it really, really lucky.
1: It's an ongoing battle, isn't it? It's not something that you ever stop being. Yeah. You're in ongoing recovery. Yes. Once Once you're an addict, if you're an addict, then that's something that you will then be in recovery for, hopefully anyway, for a long time. Yes. But yeah, well done to that. To that person yeah for, absolutely. you know getting through the last five years and hopefully you know we wish him kind of ongoing success with of that. course
0: yeah because it is a it's a long it's still a long journey and you take each day as it comes exactly yeah. and um but yeah he was brave enough to uh take that plunge and he's um in a good place now and so we wish him well going forward and thank you so much for listening to the show and really appreciate all your great feedback
1: thank you very much
0: Right, so on this half of the show, we're going to be now discussing another really serious and important topic within our community that again needs to be addressed. And again, there's many taboos surrounding it, and that is therapy.
1: And I guess it kind of leads on from that message yeah. where, you know, there's a lot of people with various different mental health issues um, who don't get them addressed because of that mm. taboo yeah. and because once you you know admit a problem everyone has to deal with it yeah <laughs> you know it's not just your own personal problem anymore yeah and i think it's something that definitely needs to change due to the prevalence of, of various mental health issues in our, within our community you know yeah. not only is there addiction such as alcoholism yeah but there's anxiety there's depression all of those things are within within our community and they get buried
0: yeah and i think for especially our older generation our parents generation they were part of that thought process of we just deal with it and brush it under the carpet and move on for the sake of their families um, for the sake of their loved ones or to to not be labeled um certain ways and certain derogatory ways yeah yeah uh especially amongst like say your in-laws uh you know there was a lot of you know anxiety and stress being around those situations and they just they just put up and dealt with it for yeah so there's a long. lot of
1: that i mean like it is with a lot of the issues in our community what will people say i yeah. suppose is that is the attitude um but i think that's changing absolutely and, and i think that is definitely for the better
0: yeah 100 percent I think more with our generation, mm. um, not being afraid to, to say, no, I, I think I have a problem, you know, and I yeah, think I have I, an issue.
1: That's a wider society change. Yeah. So for people in this country, I think, you, I mean, in our lifetime, we've seen a massive change mm. in terms of attitudes and the willingness to be open about mental health issues. Yeah. I think even like in the last like 10 years, really, I think there's Maybe been a, a huge,
0: less. and you know, I've got to say, social media has played a massive part in that. Yeah, huge. You part. know, there's been so much uh, awareness raised from so many different organisations through social media, and that's obviously then reflected onto the bigger, you know, media platforms. Yeah. Um, and so now, mental health and mental health awareness is is such a massive, massive um, issue, and it's it's been tackled so much more than. I can remember it, you know, growing up, basically. I'm, there was nothing like this. It was unprecedented. No. And it's
1: it's so important, given the knowledge that suicide is the biggest killer of young men yeah. in this country, which is insane. It's just, it makes no sense. I can't fathom it. Yeah, there's a a prevalence of, you know, mental health issues that are not being dealt with amongst young men.
0: Yeah, of course. That
1: are, with that and the end result is that they take their own life. Yeah. And it's just and and now being the mother of a son.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know,
1: that's just I can't even comprehend how those mums must feel.
0: Well I've got a, a big up organizations like Calm, the campaign against living miserably, that's yep. done so much to raise awareness amongst um, specifically amongst men. Um, and you know depression and and it's you know like, like that's what i mean in the last five to ten years the 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 levels of organizations raising awareness has been amazing specifically i guess with our community i think we still need some work to do yes i think from the broader spectrum of of the british public uh now more and more people are uh, have gone to get help you know to to address their their mental well-being yeah um but within our communities and without within our circles that i feel there's yet to be the i get the abundance of of people it, involved and awareness raised
1: yeah i think it's it's one of those things that will filter down hopefully um and i think there is some change happening i mean just looking at our own social circle yeah the number of people who have actually gone out to get help for various reasons yeah we know more and more people who are doing that very pe- people are very very close to us
0: yeah exactly as we um, therapists who,
1: yeah who've seen therapists or had to go into you know um kind of a, a bit more care as it's as it is mm-hmm. um for slightly more serious issues um that but they're open about it and they're not hiding away from that fact they're you know they will talk about their experiences with their families and their friends and not shy away from it and it's not like a taboo where you have to kind of hide that person away in the attic anymore yeah, it's more that people are you know they're just like well this is It's a health issue and I'm addressing my health issues in the same way that I would if I had a heart problem or a stomach problem. Yeah. You know? My mental health matters just as much. Yeah. And is it's not my fault that I feel that way. And that's the problem, I think, is that people think that you're at fault for some reason or another. So that's either you personally feel that or someone will put that on you, that blame on you. Yeah. That you've done something wrong or you've put yourself in this position and now you know just deal with it
0: yeah basically. exactly and
1: i think that attitude is actually changing there's a lot of pushback now on people who do still have that attitude
0: yeah and i think now also if it feels like slowly like families are becoming more and more open to that that notion that it's okay for their loved ones to to not feel okay yeah and that if that's the case then you know seeking therapy or seeking help is um you know, the right means to go about addressing that, you know, rather than, you know, kind of, oh, it'll be fine, don't worry about it. You don't have to stress about it. You know, it's okay to see somebody and, you know, go for it. Yeah. You know? And there's a support that ne- may not necessarily have been there, say, 15 to 20 years ago um, yeah. with, say, our parents' generation.
1: Exactly. And I guess that brings us to the point where I... um we, I kind of tell you guys why we're having this discussion in the first place, why we thought that this topic was going to be an important one for us.
0: Yeah. So if you would listened back to our show on our baby, uh, which was uh, one of the early episodes of season two, you'll have heard uh, about the full story uh, about our pregnancy and then the labor and yeah. then the ensuing months of uh, the first few months of parenthood. And it wasn't very easy. Uh, which could potentially be an understatement. It was a a very difficult pregnancy. Uh, It was quite a traumatic, to an extent, labour as well. And the first few months for parenthood, for both of us, were points where we were literally touching the bottom of rock bottom. Um, And it was incredibly hard. And yes, that will affect your mental well-being.
1: I think... um... So I had high-premises gravidarum. I talked about this in season one. There's the episode where I kind of talked about my experience with it and also talked about, you know, just explained what it is. It's basically very extreme pregnancy sickness. It puts people in, um, it makes them very isolated and because you just can't function. You can't, you know, getting from the bed to the sofa would make me nauseous. Mm. Never mind going outside. You know, I didn't go outside for weeks, for about six weeks at one point. I did not leave our home i, yeah, I just couldn't i yeah. couldn't for six weeks and in that six weeks also couldn't bear the smell of people so the, the, the person who was coming into our flat at that point was my husband
0: <laughs> yeah exactly Anna. and i
1: couldn't bear the smell of him because i couldn't bear the smell of people it wasn't just specifically him it was just people in general uh, which isolated me even further anyway yes we had we had a difficult pregnancy and we had a difficult uh well i had a difficult birth um and required extensive surgery afterwards yeah so there was a bit of recovery afterwards a lot lot of pain afterwards Uh, these things happen you know like as in you you have like in pregnancy and in birth there are difficulties that sometimes it's not so easy to get over i think Mm. and i try to just have that these things happen kind of attitude yeah you know that 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 was how i you know you'd get over it it'll be fine these things happen these this you know women go through this all the time
0: and i guess we also you know we hear more and more stories about um you know like horror stories about pregnancy and and birth and um and it's a case of of you know thankfully i didn't go through something like that or that you know my my situation potentially couldn't have been as bad as that so then you kind of think oh okay you
1: you compare a lot to other people and you just think well okay maybe mine wasn't that bad
0: so I should just I should just put up and deal with what I went through uh, because you know there's there's potentially a lot of women that's going through things that are so much worse yeah so you belittle your own experience exactly which I think is is wrong because just because someone's situation is so much worse than yours doesn't mean you haven't gone through something you know quite traumatic and that that and that also needs to be addressed.
1: Yeah. And uh you know I don't want to put off anyone or scare anyone who's pregnant, but birth can be traumatic. And it can be it is very scary. I mean you're pushing a life out of you is a scary situation and you know if it wasn't for the help the, the help of uh, modern day science and the the magicians that are doctors in our in the NHS and the nurses um the mortality rates for mothers and for babies would be much higher than they mm. are um, because it's a very difficult thing to do. Um, so for the last kind of few months, maybe the last three months or so, I think wasn't dealing with it very well. It was getting harder and harder to just put up with it and deal with it. Yeah. I was very, um, very stressed out. Couldn't really handle the any extra pressure that came into my life would just send me over the edge.
0: Yeah, everything just got like little things just gets accentuated as well at the same time.
1: Yeah, it just got a bit much. Um, So after a a long chat with uh, with my darling husband, I decided to, and I'm very lucky that I had the opportunity to do this. I have medical health insurance through um, work, and they have a mental health line, and I rang that line. And, um, and just said to to the person on the phone, I'm just finding it really hard to cope at the moment. And, um, the lovely person who answered the call kind of listened to me and, and just put me at ease and made me feel like it was going to be okay. And I had an assessment and they diagnosed me with, uh, trauma. So post-traumatic stress disorder and, uh, anxiety So the PTSD comes from my pregnancy and the anxiety comes from pregnancy and the last few months of motherhood, I guess.
0: Mm. Well, the last few months of motherhood, but you, it really is the culmination of everything that's happened in the past two years. Yeah. And then when it, when those kind of things just sit there, but they haven't really been, you know, looked at or addressed properly, you know, it does eat away inside slowly and mm. so now when you get to the last few months where things start to kind of, you know, gather pace, yeah. everything else basically starts to boil up to the surface, you know.
1: Yeah, and it was the thought of returning to work and go, and being back in the uh, rat race and just back in the outside world where I've been able to be, I've shut it all out and I've been in my own bubble for so long. Yeah. Um, And also, you know, Bubs has started nursery. And so just having... I guess it's separation anxiety from my part rather than his, um, you know, just being away from him. I'm not, and the idea of not seeing, because he hadn't even started nursery at this point, but it's just the idea of being away from him, I think, started to make me feel very anxious. And I I wasn't sleeping. And we've spoken before about how, you know, there has been, that uh, you, you were made redundant and that, the, you know, so employment issues and financial issues as well on the off the back of that all kind of build up. Everything basically kind of culminated in me just going, I can't do this anymore. Mm. And um, and so, yeah, I, I I took the step that I needed to take and I had the opportunity to call this number, which I understand that many people don't have that easy, that easy access to yeah. help. Yeah. But um, if you do have medical insurance through your work, like really honestly read that policy. And if you do think that you need help... The, there is the potential of being able to get help slightly quicker than going through the NHS but yeah so i that was the route that I took and um I am now in therapy
0: yeah and so that this was a a, a big thing for us because i guess i guess it's one of those things where you know both of us are from that generation where you know we were kind of raised in a in an instance of if there is a stress or an anxiety or things happening in your personal life, you just, you deal with it.
1: Yeah, because we saw our moms just get on with it.
0: Exactly. You, you know, know, they
1: just dealt with it when there was stuff and there was, there would have been things in their life and there has been things in my mom's life that I know that she probably should have been, you know, she probably should have got some outside help to to help her deal with that. Yeah. That. But instead she just got on with it and bottled it.
0: Mm. So, Do you feel that that seeing a therapist... Uh, and, and making the steps to go see one um, was helped by the fact that now more and more people around you within your community have been doing that.
1: Yes, 100%. It helps that my best friend is a psychologist. Hmm. She's Asian, she's a psychologist. She's had to, as part of her training, have therapy herself. I remember at the time she told me, oh, I don't really need this. It's just going to be a walk in the park. I don't really need to do this um it's gonna be a piece of of piss um and then she actually started the therapy and all the things that she had bottled up over the years have been various things that had happened just kind of came out and she actually faced those and dealt with them um and having her i guess as my i didn't even tell her i didn't tell her until after i had made the call and got the diagnosis my best friend is a psychologist but i was too scared to talk to her
0: yeah well this is something that we're going to be talking about later on in the show when we do discuss kind of british asians in our community and therapy and the reasons for not wanting to to take that step but yeah it's yeah fascinating stuff
1: because i but because i had an understanding of her work i kind of understood what the process might be Hmm. um and so that's what made me slightly more comfortable to do it I've had friends who are, who have gone through therapy or have had treatment as well recently. Yeah. And I think that also, and they were very open with me. And I had spoken to one of them about how I'd been feeling. And she had said to me, deal with this before it becomes bigger than you can handle.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: Um, She'd had similar issues to me through her um, pregnancies and births. And she hadn't dealt with it early enough. Mm. And so she said, like, use me as an example and make sure that you get this sorted now. Nip it in the bud while you can. Yeah um and that was really helpful yeah yeah. Um, and kind of made me feel more confident that actually what i was saying wasn't i was because i think what i felt was that am i just exaggerating this am i being a drama queen Mm. that's what i was thinking
0: and i and i think yeah that's see that's what what i find to be a big fundamental problem is that in your mind what is the level that you need to be at for you to think it's okay for you now to potentially see a therapist yeah you can't measure these things it's like how long is how long is a piece of string yeah you know because for something that could be quite small looking at yours and thinking you've actually got quite a small problem could be the biggest stress of your life yeah and then and if it's something that's going to be eating away at you mentally emotionally then you have to see someone about it you do have to see someone to to address it and yeah. to and to look into the problem because even if it's a small stress that's something that's keeping you up every single night to the point where you're feeling anxious
1: I think when yeah when it becomes unmanageable yeah then it needs to be I mean probably just before that really you need to like get it addressed uh, and and try and talk to somebody about it
0: yeah and um, sometimes people don't necessarily have the people around them within their circles that they can talk to about these things.
1: Yeah, I'm very lucky. I know I'm very lucky to have close friends that have either been through a process like that or who understand what it's, you know, just understand that and not, that I trust enough to yeah. be able to have those conversations with. Quite often people don't. I mean, to be fair, I've had recently had my second therapy session and I didn't tell my mom and dad that I had gone into therapy mm. until after my second session. And I rang my mom and I was like, mom, I need to tell you because you're my mom and I tell you everything. Um, so you need to know this about me. Yeah. And I was really worried about what her reaction would be because the reason I, did, I didn't tell her wasn't because I thought she was going to be ashamed of me or anything like that. It was because I didn't want her to worry. Mm. You know, and you think like, I thought my parents have got so much else to worry about. Why? I don't want to add to that.
0: But do you see how you're your own problem? Yeah, I know. And my therapist tells me. That's the issue. The issue you're addressing is specifically that one right there, because you're still part of that generation of people that didn't want to upset the apple cart within their families. And that's the reason they didn't go to therapy. And that's the reason the same as our parents generation who did exactly the same thing. My mom's always said,
1: the thing is that my mom's always said to me, you're the one who never had health problems. My brother had lots of health problems, you know, like we've had health problems in our family. She's like, you're always the one that I didn't have to worry about. And then to then feel like I am the one she has to worry about is difficult. But I think I um, speak to my parents on WhatsApp calls every day, like on video chats. And they see me and I've seen that look of concern in their eyes Mm. this whole year knowing that this is not the girl that they brought up like you know the things that the way that I've looked I've just kind of let myself go you know and you know and you have to look at it every day but generally like having a baby does weird things to your body like my hair all fell out and then now it's growing back and I've got little baby hairs everywhere so I just feel like a mess all the time yeah and it's little I mean it sounds superficial but things like that that then start to impact just how you view yourself. Well, I don't even look in the mirror some days. Yeah, you know, yeah. like what's the point? That's not the person I used to be. Yeah,
0: of course.
1: So I think they had recognized that there was a problem, but they didn't know and they didn't want to say anything.
0: Yeah, I and mean, what and what can they say as well? Um, in to not. But three hundred miles feel, away, so yeah, it's hard to, make to say. Because maybe worse sometimes.
1: Yeah, but also they probably thought, well, we're three hundred miles away. Maybe she's not that bad. Like maybe it's just yeah, yeah. maybe it's just the WhatsApp video thing, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But they. Um, my mum was amazing about it and I mean as she would be, but she it wasn't it was less like kind of worrying about me, more just reassuring me that everything was actually yeah. gonna be okay and that I'd done the right thing and she was really, you know, pleased that I was seeking the help that I needed.
0: Yeah. I think because, you know, like it's it's easy to say, um, but well, you can speak to your loved ones or speak to your husband about these things. You know, we we speak about these things all the time. But to really get into the crux of the problem and really get into the way you're feeling, why you're feeling the way you're feeling, you know, it's, it's okay to seek, to, seek therapy yeah. and speak to, some, speak to a professional about this. Um, because I can help, I've been trying my best to help you through the process. So we've been trying to help each other through the process for the last year. Yeah. But when you're both feeling at a, at a low ebb, sometimes it needs an outside factor to kind of help pull you out of that situation
1: yeah and i i don't know how people who don't have a supportive a partner as you have been for me you know if they don't have that kind of support from their partner i i genuinely don't know how they get through these kind of situations on their own yeah i and i don't think there is a way of getting through that kind of this kind of situation on your own because i think i would have spiraled into a much darker place if it hadn't have been yeah. for you um because you're the only person that really like you saw it every day but the only person yeah, that yeah, i really opened up to about all of this and the thing is is that you've had your own pressures in terms of trying to find a job
0: yeah but also yeah.
1: try to make sure that i'm okay make sure that bubs is okay yeah, yeah you know and you've also felt your own pressures of kind of like Wanting to find a job and the frustrations of not being able to do that.
0: Yeah, it's like, like I said, we it's been that it's been an extremely tough year for both of us. You know, we've been just about finding time to record podcasts, let alone trying to live a life. And also, Um, if I'm going
1: to be honest, like me trying to find the enthusiasm to do it because I haven't really had that enthusiasm to do it, which has been an ongoing battle for you. Yeah, of course. To try and like, right, we're going to do a podcast today, and I'm like, okay, fine. That's yeah. not how I want to go through life. I don't want to feel like, unenthusiastic about everything. Especially because I love doing this really. Well I get stuck. It's like being going to the gym, I suppose, for me yeah. it's like it's taking want, that step. Yeah, like just kind of actually doing it. And once you're there, you're all right. Yeah. And exactly. that's how it's been with the podcast. And I don't want our listeners to feel like I haven't been putting in my effort. Hmm. And if you have thought that, then now you know why.
0: Yeah. No, it's like I said, it's It's been very, very tough, but I'm glad that you're making the steps towards, you know, addressing all these, you know, things that are happening within you uh, mentally, emotionally, because, you know, it it obviously has an impact on on our marriage. It has an impact on our family life. Yeah. But most importantly, it's, you know, it's the person that you know you are and the person that you always have been and you feel you're not that now. Yeah, and I just feel like I'm a
1: kind of dull version of myself. Yeah. Not in terms of like boring, Well, I probably am that as well, but more as in dull as in like the color's gone.
0: Yeah, yeah. I
1: faded a bit. Mm. And that's really hard because then you just keep fading because it's it's really hard to find the color again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um and I don't want to be that person anymore. And actually, you no know, weird thing that's happened is since that I since I, even before I started the therapy and I just got the diagnosis because it took a while for them to find me a therapist. I found a place in my head where I was like finally like the weight had been lifted because mm. I'd actually admitted it and someone had said to me actually you do have a problem yeah you yeah. know that this is an issue they kind of legitimized how I was feeling yeah exactly. by telling me that it's, it's not, not all, all in your head yeah. yeah well it is but it's not if you know but what I yeah, mean yeah. <laughs> but like they that made life feel a bit lighter and so now like I just didn't have the I have distanced myself from some of my friends from most of my friends in fact all of my friends really I've distanced myself from them because I've not been able to kind of take on anyone else's stuff Yeah, you know I haven't been able to be a friend to them Mm. and since I made that call actually I found it much easier to be there for other people Mm. Um, so in the last few weeks, I've been more active in terms of getting in touch with my friends and keeping in touch with them than I have done f- for the past nearly two years.
0: Yeah, but obviously, absolutely, hundred percent agree with you. But the core fundamentals are making sure you're okay first before helping other people making to make sure they are sure, okay.
1: Um, but I mean, as in like, I've always been the kind of person that was a was there for my friends.
0: Yeah, I, I, I know. I've yeah, seen it and but been lost saw, it, But but no, but again, what I'm no,
1: what I mean is, is that I just haven't been present. Not that I need to like help them through their worries, but just say hello yeah,
0: yeah i haven't even yeah. done that yeah, that's true yeah.
1: like I, when i say i've distanced myself i mean i really distanced myself to the point where i just didn't my phone would be in another room mm. and i would never be anywhere near it yeah and so if anyone call, people just stopped calling me because they're like you never answer your phone so what's the point yeah yeah you know and like that's just not the way that i'm not that person i was never that person and I, i'm glad that i'm starting to feel a bit more social again
0: yeah yeah for sure
1: you know, and yes, some of my friends are going through some really horrible things at the moment. And I can't take away that pain and I can't be their, their therapist, but I can be their friend again. Yeah, of I feel like I have that capacity to be a friend again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, that makes me happy. That's one of the things that really has always made me happy is to have my friends around me and to be there for my friends.
0: No, of course. Yeah, it's like I said, with with going through therapy, it's just to ensure that you get through to the other side in a much more better mental space, um, yeah. emotionally, um, you know, mentally. But like I said, this is this is the start and it's going to be an ongoing journey. Yeah, I mean, we'll, this is right you know, at
1: the very beginning. I have a long way to go, yet, I yeah, I think.
0: But it's, it's getting to the start line, which is, I feel, still the biggest problem amongst our community.
1: Yeah, it's a big hurdle because not only do you have to admit to yourself that there's a problem but you have to admit to everybody else that there's a problem yeah and you don't always want to do that because you don't want to feel like you're a weak link yeah you know and that's kind of how I was feeling Mm. um and I think that's a lot I I think that's a prevalent issue within our community and especially for women because it's South Asian women are always you know, we're strong, we're Mother India, kind, and we're not, you know, not, we can't all be superwomen.
0: No, of course. And I
1: think that that's something that has to be addressed. So while I was doing some research, I came across a, a paper by NICE, mm-hmm. who set the medical guidelines for the NHS. Okay. They set some guidance around finding, and the paper was called this, innovative ways of engaging black and minority ethnic communities to improve access to psychological therapies. Okay bit of a mouthful yeah. but basically trying to get people from BAME backgrounds access to therapies yes um because there is a low uptake amongst those communities amongst black and ethnic minority um communities accessing the, the need is there but people aren't on yeah. going step, yeah, yeah they're not going so they're trying to kind of engage those communities more and make sure that they get the help that they need so in birmingham the NHS Trust adapted their local service by developing a culturally sensitive treatment group, where the beliefs of the people that they were trying to help were understood by the group facilitator, mm-hmm. um, and where the so the barriers to access such as like language and literacy, those kind of issues were also addressed. And mm. they were, there was a particular focus on South Asian women,
0: okay, okay, who
1: are seen as a, a kind of at-risk group. Yes. Um, Facilitators spoke various South Asian languages, like Hindi Urdu, Punjabi, all those kind of local languages, like the languages that are prevalent in the local area. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sessions were held in community centres as well, which I think is a great idea to yeah, reduce. Exactly. It was to reduce the stigma, so they weren't having to go to a medical facility. Right. It yeah. was just done in local community centres, yeah. so it was just seen make as make a it kind feel of more comfortable. Yeah, in, more of in a, in a social group. Yeah. yeah, more a social group than a therapy group.
0: Yeah.
1: So. The this trial was a real success and so as a result of that NICE have recommended doing similar groups up and down the country where there are vulnerable groups within um, the BAME communities yeah. to get them access and to encourage them to get the help that they need mm. um, and that's kind of, that's due mainly to the fact that there's a prevalence of anxiety and depression amongst South Asian women and like a real as I've said a, a lack of uptake in mental health services yeah um, so there is there is a move by the government to try and get communities involved and engaged and make it seem like it is okay. Because it is, it is okay. Yeah, of course, to of course. say that you need the help and to try and access those. But there's a lack there's a lack of education along amongst a lot of the commun- a lot of our community Absolutely, yeah. as to where you go, what do you do, what will happen. If you uh, when I was reading this um this paper, Though they had comments from some of the people that had attended the groups. And someone had said, oh, it's not black magic. Yeah, exactly. So now, like, yeah. because it's kind of thought that, you know, if you have a mental health issue, there's been some kind of jadu done on you. Or mm-hmm. there's some nazar on you. Or something like that. Some black magic has been put on you. Yeah. And it rather than getting help in terms of mental health services, and I know of people that this has happened to, Um, And I've had conversations with them about it, but they've been exercised instead by a priest of whichever religion they are part
0: of. Yeah. That is ridiculous.
1: It's not, it's, well, it's just a really old school attitude. It's like, and that's due to lack of education because of where, wherever our families came from, you know, back home, they, they, what they, you know, they weren't. They weren't medics. They you know, so they they don't know this stuff. They weren't they weren't educated enough. Mm. Um, and some people still hold those attitudes. So these groups have really helped to kind of change that view.
0: Yeah.
1: And actually, and also some of the comments were that it was just like they made friends there because it was a social activity. These were this was group therapy. So people were able to kind of meet people who are in the same situation as them or dealing yeah, with the same things. you share things. those
0: experiences and then, you, you know, you, you realise within those circles that actually, like, you've all gone through similar, yeah. you know, issues that could potentially be anxiety or stress related. And
1: you're not the only one. It's knowing that you're not the only one and yeah. that other people do have these problems too. And so you're not someone who should be shunned, but you're someone who's part of a, a smaller community that can help each other by supporting each other because they understand what, the other's going
0: through. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I read something similar, um, you know, on the West London NHS Trust website, and it was by a lady named Hina. Um, and this was interesting. She said, In some Asian families, there are rigid rules about what can and can't be talked about, and intimate things aren't mentioned. So I never spoke to anyone about how I felt or what it was like growing up. I just pushed the sadness down within myself. It's quite a strict culture and people are afraid of talking to someone from their own community in case private information gets back to your family it can even affect your chances of getting married now she's seeing she's seen a therapist now and it's she's it's helped her like leaps and bounds but she said once i saw an older asian gp and i found it uncomfortable i felt i couldn't open up because in asian culture you have to respect your elders now you know i think the thing that I thought more than anything when talking about therapy and you know within our community was, are our people not finding um, people of a similar background within um, you know the therapy circles um, so they can open up to them more about the culture because you know if if I'm a, if I'm a you know someone from an old elder Asian generation and I'm clearly going through some mental health issues and they're obviously potentially culturally related stress and anxieties mm. then having to speak to someone that's not from a similar background about these things could be a massive hurdle
1: yeah and i've seen i've i've heard of people who've said that they've had to not only explain how they're feeling but also give the kind of um the context the cultural yeah. context well this is what we so said you waste in- half of your therapy session just kind of explaining who you are and what it means
0: yeah we also said this also in our episode about alcohol abuse and people wanting to seek help in exactly the same thing um and so you're almost having to deal with two massive hurdles it's the it's the cultural hurdle as well as the actual the the problem but and also
1: seeing somebody who doesn't understand your culture could potentially add, do more harm than good
0: yeah exactly depending
1: is- on who they are i'm seeing someone who's not asian she's italian in fact um but she, I don't feel like my, the problems that I have are necessarily culturally related. Yeah. So I don't have too much problem with her understanding what I'm talking about yeah. and what my problems are. But if they are of a cultural nature, yeah. then, and the pressures that come within our communities, talking to someone and then them not understanding that yeah. and then giving you advice that doesn't quite work for you. yeah would it actually potentially cause more, more problems? Harm, yeah. yeah.
0: But like you know, like this this case study here with Hina, she felt it less comfortable speaking to someone that was Asian. She feels a stigma because there's another Asian elder looking potentially looking down on her for her issues as well Is it at the, the same type time? of Asian
1: then? Does she need to talk to someone who's more of her age group or female maybe rather than an old uncle G type?
0: Yeah, possibly. But it's 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 that comfortability factor and the people you're comfortable speaking to um I think in an issue like this um I've always found that within our communities people have always found it a little bit easier to speak to someone who's of the same ethnic background mm. um just because there's a familiarity language wise um and culture wise yeah
1: there's a there's a subtext that you don't really need to explain,
0: yeah, but I just feel that you know I guess that that part that generation are still. You know, obviously we're talking about people within the medical profession, so they've got an understanding of mental health, Um, but it's, it's it's still an inherent cultural taboo. And so regardless of what your thought processes are medically, I think in the back of your mind, you still have that mindset about mental health
1: you would hope that they are they are professional enough as a medical professional yeah. to not do that you yeah. would hope but given my experience when i was pregnant and having to go and see my gps who mostly are asian at my surgery yeah. um the attitude that i got from some of them about my sickness hmm. that basically i was just weak and i should just deal with it and yeah. you're just being pathetic um that i can uh understand why people would have that fear yeah
0: yeah exactly yeah because exactly.
1: sometimes you don't get taken seriously
0: yeah
1: yeah it's, you know uh, mental health issues are not just for white people no know? exactly like that's and that's something that our community needs to get over that attitude is what we need to get over yeah and that our community meaning the patients or potential patients but also the medical profession professionals within our community yeah exactly
0: i like I said, I think things are getting like so much better just with more and more young people from our community seeking therapy, and I think that's almost opened the door for people uh loved ones in that are older than them to yeah. want to do the same thing yep. and seek the same thing because Absolutely. they've seen you know the the results um come through and they've been very, very successful
1: yeah, and also that you know well if she's doing it or he's doing it. Then it's not that bad, is it? like maybe I can do it as well' like, you know like it's not <laughs> yeah. it's not maybe it's not such a thing. What have I been doing all my life, thinking that this is a main problem, like this person's really open about it over here, so maybe I can not necessarily be really open about it, but maybe I can go and get myself some help as well
0: yeah, and you're not looked at as a lesser person, and yeah. I think that's one of the big things that I find um with with just which it becomes a hindrance for people wanting to take that step in the first place you know, about what are people going to say and how is it, are they going to look at me any less for it? Um, you know, today's younger generation really don't care. And I think that's a great thing. And I think that's a, it's a positive way to to reflect on the rest of the community to do exactly the same thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm one of those people, I might not be that young anymore, but I'm one of those people that doesn't give a shit what anyone thinks. Yeah. I think that I am, I'm really happy that I've done this. Yeah. And like I said, as soon as I made that call, it felt like a weight had been lifted mm-hmm. and that things were going to get better.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, and that's what the woman on the phone said to me. She's like, we're, we're going to help you get through this. Mm. Um, and, you know, and they have done their best by me, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like I said, I'm very lucky that I had my medical insurance. But there are other sources of yes. help. Yes.
0: Yeah, um, you know, the Mental Health Foundation and Anxiety UK are doing more to encourage sufferers from BAME backgrounds to come forward and seek help and therapy. Um, There's also the BATN, the Black African and Asian Therapy Network, which is uh, home of the largest community of therapists of Black, African, South Asian and Caribbean heritage in the UK. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a massive uh, therapist network and directory. And... It's got people from all cultural backgrounds within the BAME ethnicities. And I think so for people that feel inhibited to speak to anyone outside of of their own cultural background about the issues and the problems they're dealing with, you've got professionals of a similar cultural background that speak the languages as well. And it just might make the, the process a lot more easier and a lot more comfortable for you to take that step forward.
1: Yep. I feel like if you need to do do need to take that step do it don't be scared don't be worried about what will people say or what will happen next and what does it mean and what does my diagnosis get what is that going to mean to me and how is it going to affect my whole life yeah focus on getting better now yeah and you know once you're feeling a bit better then we can deal with the rest of the other stuff that's that's how I feel now about my life is that I want to get I want to focus on trying to make my life more manageable now mm-hmm. and then what comes ahead might be easier for me to manage as well.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: But at the moment I can't I, like I've been struggling to div, like just deal with day-to-day difficulties. Yeah. So there's no point in trying to think about the big what ifs are ahead. Yeah. Because I don't, they're not in my control as my therapist told me in my last session.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I I still need to make that step I feel i dealt with a lot of stress this past year personally and professionally as we've spoken about on a number of shows previously um and so that's you know that is something that I I'll I'll take the plunge and take that step you know You have been hesitant love you have been hmm. and but I think if you need it you should do it yeah yeah I think you know things that we've spoken about over the course of the show may have actually helped that uh, to push me in that direction. Yeah,
1: I shall I leave you with some stats that are they're really shocking when I read them. Hmm. Uh, within the South Asian community in England and Wales, researchers indicated that older South Asian women seem to be at, an at-risk group for suicide. In 2018, a review found that non-European immigrant women, including young South Asian women, were a high-risk group for suicide attempts. Hmm. Now, in the same article, it says that overall, people from Indian and Pakistani origin showed higher levels of mental well-being than other ethnic groups, as did those of African-Caribbean origin. Okay. So we have higher levels of mental well-being, but South Asian women are at a higher risk of suicide or attempted suicide. hmm Now, the caveat at the end of this article is that, and I think this sums up everything that we've said on this show, it is important to note that these findings may not be reflective of true prevalence of mental health problems among Asian communities in the UK as the reasons explored above may mean that people in these communities are less likely to report that they are experiencing mental health problems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the case, isn't it? So we... Even by not by not admitting what is going on, we're fudging the results. We're fudging all of the research. Yeah. So apparently, we're better, like where we have higher mental mental well being, which we might do. We might have some higher mental well being, but we're not sure because we don't know if people are telling the truth or not.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because of
1: the taboo within our community, we don't have accurate stats. How will anything ever change? How can anyone put any policy forward to make things change? To make
0: that change?: Absolutely.: Well, we um, have started, you know tried to put across as much as we possibly can uh, to many people that could potentially be listening to this that could be going through any level of anxiety, stress, depression mental health issues and illnesses
1: the whole gamut of them
0: yeah and there's so many and there's no measuring stick on how bad it could be from the from something as small as you know just having a day-to-day anxiety to the worst mental health issues but
1: but that's the thing like we can't measure what's the worst
0: exactly yeah because for one man's meat is another man's poison and so do seek help speak to the right people and if you're someone from our communities and backgrounds, there are so many therapists of a similar cultural background. If you feel you're, you'll you be more comfortable speaking to somebody with a similar ethnicity, then b w a t n has a massive directory of Asian therapists within the UK that will help you and, and you know, try to address some of those key issues that you feel that you're going through.
1: And if you don't really don't know where to start or what to do, go and see your
0: GP. Yes.
1: Talk to your GP, ask them about the local services, what's available, um, how they might be able to help you. Uh, the NHS is backed up. We all know that it's understaffed and overworked, but that doesn't mean that they're not still there for you to give you some guidance.
0: Yeah. And they will refer you also thereafter to the right people. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, take advantage of the NHS while we will still got it. Um, before... And that also
1: reminds me to say, please vote. Vote please vote whichever way you want to vote just vote
0: yeah get
1: your say heard many of the issues of mental health problems within society in britain over the last few years have been due to government policies and austerity and all of those kinds of things that's why there has been such a sharp rise in all of these problems yeah um and so to save the mental well-being of future generations get out and vote
0: yes indeed Yes, indeed. Right. Well, we've come to the end of this show. Um, I want to lastly touch on a message that was sent to us by one of our listeners, Anu. Shout out to Anu from Canada, who's also a friend of ours. Um, And she wanted to raise the fact that this past month in Canada was Hindu Heritage Month in the Toronto District School Board, of which she's a co-chair. It's been celebrated by over 560 Toronto schools. Where they celebrate diversity and achievements of Hindu students, and it's also Sikh Heritage Month in April,
1: okay. Islamic
0: but- Heritage Month in October, and Tamil Month in January. Nice. So for all our peoples that are listening across the pond, uh, not only through the podcast but also through Ruckus Avenue. Shout out to all my peoples uh, listening on Ruckus Avenue. Shout out to Ruckus as always. Um, make sure you go out and celebrate. If you're in Toronto, to some of our great uh, heritage months, uh, celebrating our communities.
1: Brilliant! We should do more of that here.
0: I, I wish we should do. We should but do. Well a, done, Anu. Yeah, shout to Anu. Making that change. <laughs> exactly.
1: You know, she's she's you know making waves in Toronto in terms of education, and good for her.
0: Big up! Anyway. I'm gonna go to
1: Canada one day.
0: Thank you all so much for listening to this show and we'll see you all again in a couple of weeks, people. Peace.